Today's episode involves a very hotly contested subject within the podcasting community. And as such, there's some coarse language during the discussion that we are having. I wanted everybody to know that ahead of time so you don't play it on your speakers too loud and make sure you keep the kids' ears covered. Thank you. This is Unstructured. Today, I'm really excited. This is a special episode. And I love, in addition to having all the awesome guests, I love talking about the podcasting world, what's going on in the podcasting world, and kind of having different takes about podcasting world. So one of the subjects that's come up quite a bit, especially in the podcasting communities, is whether guests should have to pay to be on an interview show. And there is definitely a very heated debate on the subject. And to discuss it, I brought on two former guests, two greats, Christopher Lockhead of episode 128. If you guys want to check that out, he is the author of Play Bigger and Niche Down. And I brought on a very recent guest, Super Joe Pardo of episode 138. And Super Joe, he's written four books. He is a business consultant. He's an award-winning podcaster. He runs a podcasting conference, and he has a TV show. So I'm not going to go into all the details because he has too much of a bio for me to go through. (laughs) How are you guys doing today? And his name is Super Joe. Come on. That's a legendary name right there. Uh, You got to be remembered for something, right? Some people hate it. Some people love it, but they felt something, and that's, that's the point. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. So let's start this off. I'm going to start with Super Joe because a year ago in 2018 spring time frame, you had just won. You were coming off the award for the best business podcast, and you wrote, I don't know if you called it a manifesto, but you wrote an article saying why I'm going to start charging guests. So let's go into it. Why? You know, I was getting, and still to this day, in fact, right before we, this interview, uh, I got an email from a guest booker. I'm getting uh, five, ten, a, like a week. And and some people, I mean, some people are getting hundreds, right? You look at like John Lee Dubas, he's getting hundreds. I'm sure Joe Rogan gets tons and tons. And, and there's probably tons and more people out there that are getting bombarded in their inbox from these people who are like, hey, I got the great guest. I love your show. I think this guest would be great for you. Let's break that down. What is a guest booker? So a guest booker is somebody who goes out, gets clients, like guests um, that would be like experts in certain fields or certain topics, things of that nature. And they say, hey, look, you can get on these podcasts and you can, you know, gain influence and hope, you know, market your stuff through the these shows that are looking for podcast guests. You know, Eric, you know, and, and I'm sure uh, Mr. Lockhead, I'm sure you know that there's, you know, podcasting and, and creating content is a, is a monster. It's just constantly like looking for the next guest, constantly trying to meet the next deadline and things of that nature. And, uh, you know, I I bought in um, heavily. You know, they they helped get a lot of my interviews set up 
uh, for me, like in the year and a half, two years prior to me winning that award, it was actually in 2017. I wrote the article in 28, uh, beginning of 2018. Right. And, yeah, so I was like, oh, well, this is cool. Like, they're helping me. I don't have to dig as hard or look as hard to find these guests. And, they're, you know, for the most part, they're bringing quality guests. But what I also found out was was a lot of those guests didn't necessarily care about the show, like, at all. Like, it was just a number to them. And in many cases, weren't sharing it. Uh, did You know, there wasn't much of a relationship. Very, very few of those people have, have I become any kind of relationship with. And the ones I have have been phenomenal. Like, I wouldn't trade. I mean, it's it's been a blessing um, to, to have those people in my life. But that's that's when, uh, after winning the award, I started to, to take a look. And I'm like, oh, you know... These people are are making like a hundred, two hundred dollars per episode that I'm, that they're which people uh, the guest bookers are are making. You know they're getting around a hundred to two hundred dollars, sometimes more per episode that they're getting these experts booked on to. And and I started to think like, well, well, wait a second, like they're doing the work. I understand they're doing some work. They're you know they're helping the the expert get to be better as a guest, whether they're telling them what microphones to get or how to do, you know, coaching them through that process, how to talk on a microphone. Um, and they're, they're doing lots of cold call emails and things, but they're, they're reaching out to me to, to basically use me as their inventory of, Hey, I got this show and you can be on it. Um, meanwhile, all I'm getting out of it is, is the content and helping them market their product, their personality, their, you know, grow their influence to my audience that took three, four years, five years now to build. You are getting a good message from them too, though, right? I mean, some of them are really stellar and, and, and actually help the show through a message just to. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Look, it's not, it's not all about it being, um, one-sided and, and full disclosure, I have no issue with having people on my show that I know and love, right? Like, and not charging or people that the balance of power is so much more in the opposite like if mark cuban was like hey i love your show i want to come on i'm not gonna be like hey mark cuban um here's my sponsorship package that you can you know (laughs) have there's there's a certain level of um uh discretion that i i feel that most podcasters if they go this model you know should use okay great christopher how do you fall in this uh, first of all, am I allowed to talk the way I normally talk, or do I have to censor myself? I'll put an explicit tag on. Okay. I fucking hate everything about this idea. That's what I think. We can get into why if you want, but I think it yes. yeah. completely <laughs> yeah, sucks. No, I want to hear. I want to hear. Um, so, first of all, I think charging some guests and not charging others. Well, let me let me step back. Here's why I think it sucks. Nobody paid to go on Oprah. Nobody paid to go on Larry King. Um, nobody pays to go on Sean Hannity. Nobody pays to go on uh, Anderson 360, Anderson Cooper 360 or whatever his, his show is called, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody pays to go on Terry Gross. Nobody pays to go on Joe Rogan. Nobody pays to go on Mark Maron. So as an industry, if you say podcasting is sort of a, an outgrowth or a, a, a kind of a new category of this genre that's been around for a long time, um, then the greats didn't do this, point A. Point B, 
the people that I want on my podcast are people that I want to have a great conversation with, period, full stop. And there's a purity to that insofar as um, the folks who listen to my podcast know that that's why they're on, not because they paid to be on. The other thing that I have loved, so I've been podcasting for a little over two years and writing for a little over three or or, uh, almost three now. The interesting thing to me about this writer podcaster world is, um, you know, when I started, uh, I had had a 30 year career in tech, um, in tech marketing. And I got to whatever level of success I had. And then I wrote a book and became a podcaster. And so the interesting thing about that was, you know, I got into the top of one mountain and then I like stood at the bottom of another where I was an absolute nobody in this world as a podcaster, and as an author. And I, it was a fa- fascinating experience for me to see um, what opportunities opened up and how many, and I'll speak to podcasters specifically, legendary podcasters kind of reached you know, gave me a hand and helped me up the mountain. And look, now we have a top 30 rated podcast. We just got rated top uh, 100 podcast, 100 outstanding podcast in the world by um, data bird research, you know, and we've got an audience and, you know, a lot of good things have happened with my podcast. And what I love about the podcasting world is for the most part, there are assholes, of course, but there have been podcasters and guests who bet on me very early when I had no audience, when I had no quote unquote platform. And that was a very cool thing to do. Um, And so I love this notion in podcasting and in writing where all of us are at different levels of success and audience and all that. But if fundamentally you think somebody's interesting, uh, you'll have them on. And so I, I try to return that favor. I have podcasters on and authors on who are very new at this stuff but I find what they have to say is super interesting. And I, the way I feel super Joe is I've built my platform for that reason. That's why I did this. And yes, the big name guests that I have on, you know, we have lots of, lots of well-known folks. They need the platform less so than the lesser known guests. But even still, you know, when Andre Iguodala from the Warriors comes on my podcast, part of why he comes on is he wants to speak to a more business oriented audience. Right. And so even for a megastar, we've built a particular kind of audience that is is valuable to them, even if they can get on 60 Minutes or Good Morning America or Oprah or whatever. And so what's my point? I think that when you start charging, the number one um, uh, contract you break is with your fans and your listeners, because our audience knows if they're on my fucking podcast, they're on for one reason and one reason only. I think they're awesome, and that's why they're on. And I think when you break that contract, you're in you're in tough territory. Number two, the whole reason I wanted to quote unquote build a platform was so that I had an incredible opportunity to showcase people, companies, and ideas that have the courage to be different, that have the courage to stand out. And in some cases, in many cases, I don't think the light is being shined on them. Or even if they are, you know, we've had Stanley McChrystal, four-star General McChrystal on the podcast twice. He he can get on anything he wants, but he knows when he comes on my podcast, it's not going to get edited. We're going to have a real conversation sitting down over a beer or a coffee. And what he says is what's going to get aired as opposed to when he goes on 60 minutes, it's going to get edited and you're going to spend three days with them and you're going to get six minutes. And so regardless of the motivation of the guest, 
a thing that I'm proud of is we have created a unique environment for them to have a conversation that hopefully is, is powerful and, 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 and many, many people can experience. I think you fuck all that up um, when you get into charging. And I think essentially when you charge the guest, what you've done is you've become an infomercial. Now, there's nothing wrong with infomercials. And there's some people who sit there for hours and watch infomercials. So there's an audience for it. But I think if you're going to do it, Super Joe, you have to be declarative. And then the weird thing is like, okay, well, on this episode, Susie paid. But on this episode, Jimmy didn't. So now you're in this weird situation where you sort of got to disclose to your audience who's paying and who's not. And then that gets all weird. I don't know. I just see no way that this works. I think it breaks the purity of the whole thing. It breaks your, your social contract with your audience. And at least for me personally, it, it breaks my primary motivation, which was to create a place where we could have real conversations about the people, the companies and the ideas that are different and have the courage to stand out. And I think when you, when you pay, when you charge people to come on, I think you break all of that. This is where I feel like there is some nuance here. We've talked early on. These are very clear positions. Does a guest pay directly? Boom, go on. Do they not? Got it. It does start to get interesting, though. Like, we can go all the way to network television. What about the sponsors? What about the sponsors pushing certain people on? So they may not be paying directly, but they are bullying with their cash. Or we can go into podcasting, and one of my questions is, what about, and I'll use Adam Carolla, for example, he will have on uh, the guy who did Harry's Razors as a guest or another sponsor as a guest. Now, does that cross a line or doesn't that cross a line? Those are definitely sponsors. They are ads that are read in the show. So I think that's pretty clear to the audience. But then they're coming on as a guest. Are they a paid guest? Is this a kickback for the sponsorship? How does that break down? So, so can I, can I start there? Uh, so the way I handle it is my, the people that want to be a guest on my show, um, they're not necessarily paying to be on the show. Their, their company is sponsoring the episode, uh, to build, you know, usually it's a profile. So like my show doesn't change regardless if they're paying or not. And I, and I think there's, and I think you bring up a lot of great points about, Hey, you know, you don't want to create something that creates distrust with your audience. And, and if you do, they're going to leave and like free market takes, takes, you know, takes root. So, um, you know, in, in my case, I use it as look, or the way I I look at it is like, look, these people are getting paid. They're getting paid marketing dollars to get booked onto shows. Um, I have very real costs with my show. Um, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want them, these these people making a ton of money off of my back when I don't necessarily have the ability to say, oh, well, I'll go to these other sponsors and make that happen instead just so I could keep it pure. I mean, look, I, I, I did my show sponsor, I'm pretty, like, yeah, sponsor free for the first three and a half, four years. And it was only because I, the, originally my show was called The Dreamers Podcast. So I was interviewing you know, people from all around the world, they're doing interesting things and living their dreams and like inspiring other people before it turned into like, well, we were mostly talking about business and that's really where, uh, you know, I grew up and, and love anyway. So that's when the, the show changed over. But, um, but from, from my perspective, it's more of a business, it's, it's more of a business transaction, <clears throat> excuse me. 
Um, now you mentioned like Oprah Winfrey and all these other people who didn't have uh, a pay, you know, didn't charge their guests to be to get where they were. Um, they also had network behind them, right? Like they weren't solo people. Like Oprah wasn't running the microphone and the camera and getting the audience in their seat and all of that stuff by herself. At least I assume she's not. I mean, she might've been, and and maybe that's why she's Oprah. <laughs> she should have been called super Oprah then. Um, because if she could do all that, that, that being, you know, really maybe we incredible. could call her Sopra now. Sopra. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that, that sounds offensive. <laughs> that's like a Sopra. <laughs> I, I didn't mean it to be offensive. I was just, you know, the way they, you know, Brangelina and shit. And people, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Portmanteaus. <laughs> Maybe shitly creative. <laughs> so, you know, um, so, yeah, so I, so it's like, oh, okay. So uh, Eric Hunley is coming on my show today and it's brought to you by his brand new book, Unstructured Book. You know, it's by, it's brought to you, this episode is brought to you by that product or that business and, you know, we're having somebody there from there. And one of the things that I've taken, um, so I watch a lot of YouTube, like that's where I went most, I watch most things. And when I'm watching these, these content creators, I mean, I could, I, I mean, I literally wrote a list of 10 of them. I can name off that all do showcasing content. That's like, you know, people could say, Oh, that's a, that's a infomercial. Cool. But it has like a million and a half views in like two weeks and tens of thousands of likes. So it's creative. Yeah, I know, it's still but great content. Super Joe, a, a lot of people go to Olive Garden and think they consumed Italian food. Well, not all of us are married to an Italian. They're fucking wrong. And the Olive Garden sucks, but some people, it's their favorite restaurant. So, yes, yes, you know, is. just just the fact that it has some success and the fact that anybody who's ever had a real Italian meal would never eat at an Olive Garden because they suck. The fact that millions of people still eat at Olive Garden doesn't make Olive Garden's food good or right. They still suck. They may be popular, but they suck. <laughs> that sounds and, like you know, listen, if you want religious. views, then maybe that's the game you're playing. I'm not I'm not interested in that game. And look, I'm not saying it's a hardened line you know so um it hasn't happened yet but netsuite is uh, the primary sponsor of my podcast and i wouldn't be um uh i'd be open to having a netsuite executive on i think they do interesting things they're uh, uh, they're our primary sponsor for a reason and so if they were doing something interesting i might have them on of course it would be very obvious that that was it was going on the other area for me is um, it's not unusual for me to have um, entrepreneurs or venture capitalists who I have some kind of economic relationship with. And again, it's a situation where, uh, you know, maybe I'm an advisor to the company or maybe I invested in the venture fund, but it's because I think they're interesting people. I try to declare those things. So people, you know, I say stuff like, you know, so-and-so and I have been working together for years and I'm stoked to be an advisor to their company or whatever the situation is. So again, I'm, I, I, I want to be very open about it and I'm having them on because I'm interested in them and that's why I invested or, or advise or whatever the fuck the relationship is. So I think, you know, it's not necessarily a hard and fast line, but I do think if you were to run into a situation where some meaningful number of your shows, the guest is the sponsor of the episode, 
the reality is, and I don't know what percentage it is. I don't know who the hell knows, but I think if you were 30 or 40 or 50% or whatever percent, you know, some meaningful percent, if it happened from time to time, no problem. You've got this great sponsor. You, you invited them as a sponsor because you think they're cool and you want, I think if your audience trusts you and you do it that way and you do a great job in the conversation with that sponsor and there really is something of value, I'm not saying that that's like, you know, a hard and fast no-no per se. And I would probably do that, although I haven't done it yet. Um, um, so I think that's fine. But I think if that became some meaningful percentage of your shows, uh, you're an infomercial. Out of curiosity, what are your thoughts on this, um, Christopher? If you have so many people beating down your door, I'm going to use the John Lee Dumas example. Let's say you have so many people beating down the door, you actually use a fee as um, a filter after a fashion. Like you, you can charge everybody a ton of money. They're still lining up or Richard Branson with his, uh, $25,000 ahead to go on a weekend with him. 10,000 for dinner or 10,000 for dinner, that kind of thing where it's actually a filter, but you're still going to have to be qualified and everything else before the person can even come on. I think $10,000 for dinner is a totally different thing because there's no audience involved. Um, I, I think that's a totally, totally different thing. And look, JLD has got a huge podcast. He was kind enough to have me on the podcast. He's done great things. He's a pioneer in our industry. And my advice to him is, hey, find another source of revenue and find a better filter. I think it's a shitty filter. Um, I wouldn't pay whatever his fee is to get on. I, I didn't pay to go on his podcast. And if somebody asked me to pay on to pay to go on their podcast, my response would be, go fuck yourself. It's insulting, and I'm doing you as much of a favor as you're doing for me, and I don't care how big your show is. And I've been on CNN and Fox and CNBC, and I've been on all the big media at various points in my life and career, and so I understand the privilege it is when somebody extends you their platform, and you know some amazing podcasters have done that with me who have giant audiences. Some of them have become buddies. I've gotten to know Kevin Miller at Ziggler, and he took a took a chance on me early on and uh, Jordan Harbinger took a chance on me her early on and he's become a buddy of mine and I appreciate it very much and I try to support them in ways where I can and, and so forth. Like I said off the top, I, I think that's the wonderful thing about podcasts. Podcasters who are way bigger than I am have me on and podcasters who are way smaller than I am come on my podcast and the sort of uh, true north is, is this somebody I'm dying to have a conversation with? And if the answer to that question is yes, you know, I don't care about their fucking social following. And I don't care what, I don't ask my guests to retweet the shows or to email the show. I don't do any of that bullshit anymore. I did some of that in the beginning because that's what we're told to do as new podcasters. And I realized, hey, you know what? It's not General McChrystal's job to build my audience he came on my podcast. It's my job to build my audience. Now, listen, when Andre Iguodala came on my podcast, not only did he retweet it, but he pinned the tweet. And I know that he he went out of his way to promote his appearance. Am I grateful for that? Of course I am. You know, he's he's a finals MVP on the Golden State Warriors. That's a wonderful thing for him to do. He He's doing me a giant favor. He did me a giant favor by coming on the podcast. I'm not confused about that. But I'm not going to send Andre Iguodala an email going, hey, Andre, could you tweet there? It makes me a douchebag. So I think all that stuff is unprofessional. I think it is our job as podcasters to, A, 
produce a legendary podcast and B, do whatever we want to do to grow our audience. And I think our guest's job is to come on, be a guest, donate their time. And at least in in my case, I want to have a real no bullshit open conversation far beyond their traditional talking points. And if they're willing to have a real no bullshit conversation about things that matter in their life and in their business and what makes them different and why that difference matters, that's the gift I'm looking for. Everything else is on me and my team. And that's just how I feel about it. That's cool. And to Chris's credit, you're awesome about promoting when you're on a show. I try to be. You know, when you have me on your show, I like it and I retweet it. And, you know, my buddy Hal Elrod, who's been on my podcast a number of times, he has a great podcast. I've been on his podcast a number of times. He's a gigantic writer. He is an incredible promoter. He's he's on a book tour right now for his new book, The Miracle Equation. Great book. And best I can tell, looking at his Twitter feed, he's tweeting everything he goes on. That's awesome. I love that he does that. And I love it when other authors, how, however big or small they are, or other podcasters, mm-hmm. When they do that, I think that's great. I try to return the favor. Uh, sometimes I do a better job than others, but I, I try to for sure because I know how cool it is. And, and listen, for me as a guest, I, I, I don't go on podcasts I think suck, right? So I can't remember how we got introduced. Maybe you, you, you know, Eric, but you know, when I got introduced to you, I checked you out. I didn't know your podcast. I listened to it. I loved it. It's very you know, you and I are very similar in terms of how we how we do our podcast. They're real conversations. They're not bullshit over-edited interviews. And I, I, I felt like I got what you were doing and that you seem like a genuine, super smart guy and had other great guests on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, yeah, I want to go on this guy's podcast. And, and therefore, I want to help promote what Eric's doing because I think you're doing good things in the world. And, you know, their podcast, in some cases, really big podcasts I've been invited on where I say, you know what? Guy's a douchebag. Guy's a cheese ball. <laughs> or in some cases, I've been invited on some wonderful podcasts, but I just know the likelihood that audience is going to like me is really low. And I just say to him, look, I don't know. You need to listen to a couple episodes of my podcast because I'm probably not the right guest for you. <laughs> so anyway, long, long answer. But my point is, I feel like the same way about guesting on podcasts as I do about having guests on my podcast. If I guest on your podcast, I like you. I think you're doing cool shit. I want to support you. So yeah, I'm going to retweet you. And yeah, I'm going to say, hey, I had a really good time with Eric because that's why I went on. What are your thoughts about the booking agencies? That's kind of how we opened this. And I, I would just love to get your angle because I feel like some of the uh, Strom and Drung is from the booking agencies. And uh, there is a tendency with some to spray and pray I do know that sometimes I get sent people. I'm like, you really haven't listened to my show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I have a variety, but eh, really, I don't know. And I don't know. It, it feels like occasionally there can be as what perceived, what could be perceived as a slightly parasitic relationship. You want me to take that one? We'll go with Joe first because. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, I thought you were going with that because that's who I thought you were. <laughs> asking so i have friends that are booking agents it's it it, i i have i don't have a lot of problem with what they do i think what they do actually brings a lot to the table for the industry as a whole bringing in great guests and and getting them highlighted that wouldn't necessarily be you know do it themselves or get there themselves um 
with that said, like I, I think you're. I think the word parasitic is is a, a you know a potential because they have a need to fill shows, you know, to to to, to fill the pipeline up, and. And I think you're right. A lot of times there is a lot of spraying and praying going on because I know I've gotten guests that I'm, uh, you know, they've sent me guests and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, um, not interested in that, uh, in that person. And you know, and look, I, I don't uh, necessarily want to take every single person that comes on, you know, that comes in the pipeline that like that says, oh, this person would be great for your show. Like, well, let me read about them. Let me understand about them. Okay, cool. Sounds good. If uh, if they're interested in sponsoring the episode so they can hawk their book or they can, you know, hawk their whatever, um, you know, that's why they're there. They're not they're not there because they're just think it was it'd be cool to be on a podcast. Um, it Like I said, it's really a, a marketing business transaction in my case and not in that, you know, again, this my model isn't necessarily fit everybody uh, to a T and, and that's why you have to tweak and figure out what feels right. Uh, but but when it comes to podcast booking agencies, you know, they you, you you can end up getting like 10 10 a week, 15 a week, 20 a week. Um and in some cases some of them I'm getting like 15 emails, but they're like sending one or two or three guests in an email. And you know, it's like, hey, uh, and and a lot in in, the, in recent in recent times, uh, when I said, hey, this person sounds really fun, uh, I'd love to have them come on, be profiled on the show, and uh, you know, build a relationship. Uh, here's the the sponsorship package. Oh, it's not our policy to uh, to have our our clients pay. And so, like, I'm like, oh, so I guess you guys are just working for free then, because you're just uh, you're just so nice. It's like, oh no, we're not. Okay, well, this this shit ain't free, man. <laughs> like, sorry, go. You know, I guess you got to go find another podcast. Now, with that said, I do want to mention the article that I wrote. You know, back in 2018, is getting upwards of 60 hits, like Google searches a week. So, and it's been steadily growing and growing over time. Uh, so, more and more people are searching for podcast guests. You know, uh, charging podcast guests and going and finding that article. So I, I think there's a, a, a swelling tide to people who are like questioning, like, hey, do I have to have these people on my show just because they email me, especially newer podcasters that don't necessarily know any better or, you know, but again, it's, e- it's easy in the beginning, but when it gets to a certain point, it's just like, you know, you guys are making money on our backs. See, it's kind of weird though. I could see some of where you're coming from joe and i can't help but wonder like i don't charge any guests i haven't yet i don't really plan to but then i don't have a business show i don't even think my show's even really in alignment for that kind of thing i i would call myself more of a lifestyle show or i don't know i'm under society and culture because i have a, a definite variety and i'm more about communication and the act of interviewing itself but it's hard for me to say because well i'm also a suck businessman so maybe that is uh, an issue with that too. Well, my show started out in society and culture uh, as the Dreamers podcast, and it was very, you know, very similar. Uh, is like having all kinds of different people because I feel like people can learn from other people's experiences. Oh, sure. It doesn't have to be like I remember my friend was like, "Oh, I'm a photographer, but I'm listening to this DJ that you're interviewing, and I learned I learned so much about my photography business from them talking about their DJing business." And I didn't. Th- I know nothing about DJing, so you know, it, it, I uh, I still take that approach when I try to have guests that are 
um, you know, in different fields and different industries and, and try to pull like, what's the commonality that anybody that, that has, that's say in business, uh, or as an entrepreneur could pull from and apply it to themselves. Sure. Now, Chris, your thoughts on uh, booking agencies. Yeah. So I guess super Joe and I disagree on this one. I, I reject the term parasitic completely. I think that's not, not, not only not fair, but in my experience as a podcaster, not true. Um, and I know Tom Schwab and I've used his service personally, particularly in the beginning, uh, to book me on, uh, at interview valet. They did a great job for me. They're part of why, uh, we became a success because he got me booked on a whole bunch of podcasts and I can't, I don't know what, I can't remember their economics, um, but whatever it is seemed very reasonable. And Did you get a lot of guests from him out of curiosity. Um, it sort of goes in waves. Actually, he sent me an email today with one I'm super interested in and, and I've gotten some, you know, gigantic guests okay. from him. Um, and he's also, you know, really cool with me in that when he, when he brings on a, uh, a, a giant new guest, you know, I'm among the first that he goes to, you know, so, so when he was, he, uh, uh, I don't know if he still does, but he was representing Daryl Strawberry. Well, shortly after he signed Daryl oh. Strawberry, um, Daryl was on my podcast and we had an unbelievable conversation and I fell in love with him and it, it's a fascinating discussion. And so, and, uh, Eric Weinmeyer, same thing. And so, um, and, and here's the other thing as a former, you know, three-time CMO, I understand PR, PR reported to me. I, I know how this works. And I've actually gone out of my way and, um, uh, you know, my team as well to try to um, work with these folks, whether they're uh, purpose-built podcast agencies like, like Interview Valet or the PR firms. And so now um, by trying to work with them, we don't, you know, in the beginning, 90% of the guests were out of my Rolodex. Probably today it's around 50 you know, and we're, uh, I don't know exactly, but we're pushing up on 300 episodes. So we've, we've covered a lot of ground in, in two years. And what I've tried to do is work with PR agents, uh, podcast agencies and educate them as to what we're looking for. And as, as a result of that, and obviously as a result of some of the success we've had, you know, look, I don't want to sound immodest, but the top, uh, publishers, the top PR firms for the top publishers, they reach out. And so Gretchen Rubin's new book is coming out. Her PR people reach out and they want her on the podcast. Scott Galloway's new book is coming out. His PR people reach out. They want him on the podcast. And so, you know, part of it's the success we've had. If we were a no-name podcast, I'm sure those people wouldn't be reaching out. But part of it is I personally and and uh, um, Candice, who helps with the booking, um, Candy, uh, I, my, my, I lovingly refer to her as Dandy Candy. Um, <laughs> we have worked hard with PR people. So when they reach out and they do stuff that doesn't work or they bombard us or, or they're just sending us guests that are off rather than saying, hey, you're an idiot PR person who's doing spray and pray, which, you know, maybe they are, maybe they are not. I don't know. But rather than taking that attitude, the attitude that we have taken is, well, Let's try to educate them a little bit about our, our podcast. Let's try to tell them the kinds of things we're looking for, you know, what the, what the French call a certain I don't know what. <laughs> and as a result of, of uh, you know, specifically saying, hey, you know, these three people that you just recommended are not right for us and trying to be specific as to why. Uh, 
and then trying to be specific as to what might be right for us. It's a lot of work to do that, particularly when you're bombarded with inbound. But I think there's huge payoff as a podcaster for doing that because now we have relationships with a good number of people in the PR slash podcast booking world who understand and appreciate what we're doing and who know that um, if somebody's a good fit, they're going to get on and they're going to have a great podcast. And so uh, a lot of the top tier authors and, you know, business leaders and thought leaders and stuff have come to us, I think, because we have taken the time um, to do that. And, you know, are there some people who are unprofessional and do a shitty job in that world? Yeah, but that's true in every world. I found, frankly, the vast majority have been willing to work with us, understand what we're trying to achieve with the podcast. And then all of a sudden, you know, um, we're getting all these incredible guests and I'm stoked about that. And frankly, I'm grateful that many of these PR folks and, and booking folks have taken the time to kind of learn what we're all about and the quality of who gets recommended to us from them over time continues to go up. I think that's a, that's a really interesting point that um, thinking back when I was taking a lot of those guests and to, by the way, shout out to Tom, love Tom, just talked to Tom like two weeks ago on the phone. For yeah. Like, I hope you at the conference like an hour. Uh, he's supposed to be. Yeah. I, I haven't uh, taught, confirmed that with him, but he, he wants to be there at MapCon. Um, but you know, I, I, I think part of where I was coming from, uh, Chris and Eric, uh, was I, you know, I wasn't trying to shoot to be the next Larry King, the next Ellen, the next Steve Harvey, the next whatever interviewer, Oprah, you know, person. So my, my view had changed a bit and my focus had went from like, okay, this was called the, you know, Dreamers Podcast. Now it's called, uh, it's it's business with Super Joe Pardo, and it because it was like Dreamers Podcast business lessons from those that live their dreams, and it's, that's a really long title and just you know kind of messy. So um, my focus was like, okay, I I really my business model hadn't really changed so much as my marketing model had changed. And it's like, okay, I want to bring I want to bring on guests uh, who, who make sense to help supplement me. And and help me grow my business because that's what the 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 that's what the goal here is right to get more consulting business uh you know work with more businesses help create more jobs and and save jobs so from from my point of view it was like okay um I need to start doing some more solo shows that that really flex my muscles and what I know and I need a filter you know and I know you you said about filters but I need a bit of a filter to to try to um you know, leverage the fact that I got to invest this time and effort and money uh, to creating these podcasts to highlight somebody else rather than highlighting myself. That's a really good point, Joe. And that made me think of something. I'm not going to try to put myself in Chris's league, but I think we're both doing the same thing. Um, You are about, well, you're about supporting your business with a podcast. Whereas my end goal is the podcast itself. That's all I care about is having the best show that I possibly can with the coolest guests. And I've yeah. gotten the impression that that's your goal too as well, Chris. Yeah. I mean, my, my objective is really simple. Have a very good time and ideally make a very big difference. <laughs> and right, so the show itself is the end product, not you're not you know, I'm selling something behind the show, like another business or anything. 
it's I the mean, show. sure, I got a couple of books you can buy if you want. They're 10 bucks or 15 bucks. I mean, you know, and they sell well and all that. But I am in a different situation, right? This is volleyball after this is a second career for me. I retired after 30 years in Silicon Valley. So, you know, I, I'm not particularly under any pressure to, you know, I never thought about monetization. Uh, NetSuite fell in my lap. Uh, and the other sponsors we have of sort of the same, um, they all have to sign up. You know, I, I get hit by these, um, you know, these podcast ad agencies all the time who want to like, quote unquote, sell my inventory. And I'm like, we don't have any inventory to sell. We're not giving you any fucking reports. We're not doing any of that <laughs> shit. You either want to be associated with uh, some weeks we do two episodes, some weeks we do one episode, some weeks we do three episodes. You pay by the month. It's the same amount, regardless of how many episodes we have, regardless of how many downloads we have. You either pay the fee and you want to be associated or you don't. By the way, there will be no mid conversation reads, none ever on my podcast. So we do we do the sponsor shit at the front and at the back, period, full stop. I don't care how much money they want to give me. The, the whole the, the, the whole paradigm, the whole thing I care about is a real conversation. And when you have to fucking do a zip recruiter ad in the middle of a conversation with four star general Stanley McChrystal, in my opinion, you have fucked up that conversation. Just my opinion. And so I'm not going to do that. And oh, by the way, if you don't like the swearing or you want to tell me what we should or shouldn't <laughs> do with the podcast, you can take your money and go fuck yourself. And so, you know, that's a very and, and I don't have anybody else selling my quote unquote inventory, um, you either deal directly with us and that either sounds awesome to you or it doesn't. And that's all there is to it. And so, you know, maybe I'm in a somewhat of a different situation, but I, I think what all that gets you to is if you're doing a podcast, you think is legendary and you know where your true North is and you stick to your guns, you know, I think in general, good things happen. Um, and that has certainly been the case with working with all these uh, booking agents and, and, and PR firms. And, you know, Super Joe, I will tell you, it is painful. I get it. Because every time somebody said, you know, there, there, there are two that are easy, right? There's somebody you get where you go, you know, instantly that's wrong. And there's some that you get, you know, when Ken Blanchard's PR people send an email that says, hey, Ken would like to come on. That, at least for me, is not a very long conversation with myself, right? Um, he's one of Amazon's top 25 best-selling authors of all time in all categories. Yeah, I want Ken on, right? So those ones are easy. It's the ones that are in the middle where you're like, maybe I don't know this person, or maybe I do know this person, but I'm not sure if it's right. And now me or Candy has to start Googling and looking at shit. And maybe we got to listen to him on, you know, it, for someone who's in between a yes and a no, I would say it takes us a minimum of 10 to 15 minutes to figure out if we're interested. If after that 10 to 15 minutes of Googling around, looking for social proof, seeing some shit, is this an interesting individual, et cetera? If, if, if you're tilting to a yes, then it's another 15 minutes. So, so for a guest who becomes a yes, who is sort of in that in-between bucket, it's somewhere between 15 to 30 minutes worth of work on our end to decide to, to have that filter. Uh, and at a minimum, it's about a 15 minute to get to a no if you're not sure at first. I understand that dilemma. I live that dilemma. We live that dilemma. I'm sure sometimes there's people we should have had on that we said no to. Um, so, and I try to train and Candace tries to train the PR people we work with to make it easier for us to say yes or no. We try to do that in a politeful, helpful way, not 
hopefully be douchey about it. Um, but it's a lot of work when it's not a clear no or a clear yes. But I think it's just part of what comes with podcasting, you know? And if I, if I'm personally doing the, the work and I'm 10 minutes in and it's not abundantly clear, the answer is yes, then no. I mean, we just had one recently. It was a, a female entrepreneur, sort of interesting, but I wasn't sure how legit it was. You know, we had to do some real background to find out, is this a real, look, is this shit real or is this just a little smoke and mirrors? Turned out it was very, very real. And we're now going to have this this gal on, on, the, on the podcast and I'm super stoked that we did the homework. But it, it, sometimes it's not easy to say yes or no. And sometimes we err on the side of no because you got to get moving on. Um, and so I think, you know, Super Joe, th- th- there's some reality to the fact that some PR people don't make it as easy as they could. And we can talk about how to make it easy if, if, if you think people care. And so I get there's work associated with that, particularly when you're getting, you know, hundreds of these fucking things a week. But I don't know any other way to do it. And I and and, and putting up a pay, you know, well, it's going to cost you five grand to come on the show. That's not how I want to do it. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's no, I think that's a great um a great i think it's great that you spend that time at all on those people i mean i'm assuming that you have some kind of level of trust of the person that's sending it to you that kind of helps with that clear no maybe maybe yes and maybe i should invest some time to figure it out because like if it's somebody who's constantly sending you good leads and you're like "Eh, i'm not really sure on this one let me do 15 minutes versus like i've never heard of this person i've never heard of the person that sent me the email that's yeah. different. That's a, a that's Google an easier search, note. And then probably I'm yeah. done from there. Um and I you know, I remember all that stuff because like I you know, I mean I've been doing this for five years and I and I remember doing all of that stuff and and uh I I think that it's I think that it's great that you're um you know that you they that for you it it doesn't make sense to to have like a paywall, a sponsorship wall. And that's the great that's the beauty of podcasting is is there really are no rules and and actually i I was trying to work with dan miller a number of years ago on creating a you know uh a manifesto of like ethic efficacies or whatever it's uh, you know whatever the word is um to for podcasters to like this is okay and this is not okay and here you know it's okay to report numbers like this but not like this and um you know people running around doing twitter bombing i wrote an article about that way you know it was like 2016 at this point um about how people were like boosting their numbers because they were just like putting out tweets with the with the oh yeah episode. with the auto player yep. outside that yeah. i was furious about that because somebody did that to one of my episodes on my show and their their downloads were like crazy high compared to everybody else's but then i found you know i did a ton, a ton of research and found out like hey it's not real like at all um and that person was like going on about how they get 2 million downloads a month and this, that, and a third. I'm like, but why are you not on Ellen then? Like, if you're like if you're that big, like, why aren't you there? Well, um, and, and, and but any... This gets okay. to another one. You know, we live in a world where people want to be, quote, an influencer. Mm. We, we've really gotten our head right up our ass, right? Why do you want 2 million <laughs> downloads, right? An influencer is not a thing. Aim to be a person of substance, Right. And some people of substance, well, all people of substance have some influence. Right. But but now we're in a world where being an influencer is an end in of itself. Right. It, it, it's fucking ridiculous. And so 
I don't understand why people want this manufactured stuff. And we see it with podcasters all the time, right? All of a sudden, over a three-day period, there's a thousand new reviews or, you know, there's, they're, they're hiring people in I don't know what part of the world to like bot the fuck out of their podcast to d- goose their, like. Chart gaming. Yep. I remember, yeah. Bangladesh. Yeah. It's, it's actually so bad that I feel bad for anybody honest in Bangladesh, but I pretty much, if I see Bangladesh, I'm afraid to accept a connection on LinkedIn. Yeah, no, we get them. I get three to five of those people a day. Yeah, it's and 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 what I don't understand, you know, I, I, and I didn't know this existed. You know, I was naive. I didn't. But when my first book came out, um, you know, we were as we were working with our agent and 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 um, uh, a publisher and you know all that stuff, sort of asking him for best practices and what should we do and what shouldn't we do and you know it came out. I didn't know this that you know you can hire people. And pay them two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and they can virtually guarantee you're on the New York Times bestseller list because mm-hmm. they've gamed the whole thing, you know, just like they do in podcasting. Mm-hmm. And I, I would never want to do any of that. Every review we have, every download we have, every book sale, all of it, we earned it, right? I'm doing this to have fun and hopefully make a difference. And so, on the numbers side of it, I know. Our numbers are as real as podcast numbers can be. Who the hell knows? (laughs) But, you know, and book sales as well. And, you know, who knows what the real, real, real truth is. But we're not doing any, you know, yes, we do marketing and various things along. But we're not doing any nefarious bullshit in Bangladesh or I don't know what to game any fucking thing. We didn't pay anybody to put us on any lit. We didn't do any of that stuff. I want to know that um, whatever success we have, we earned it. And look. Would I love us to be 10 times bigger? Sure. But I'm not doing it for that. Right. Right. I'm doing it to make a difference and to have a good time. And this thing's going to scale to whatever level it's going to scale to. And um, I'm going to feel great about it. And sure, we're going to do some work to help sell books and help increase downloads. Of course, but I'm not going to kill myself doing it, but I'm not here to game anything. That's bullshit. It's so against, you know, what I love about, here's what I love about podcasting. I I discovered two podcasts at the same time and was listening to them concurrently. One of them is a podcast by ABC News. It's highly, highly produced called The Dropout. And it's about Theranos. Oh, fantastic. Right? It's a good show. Insanely great show. Highly produced, high-end uh, gal reporter. I forget her name now who does the narration facts and incredible editing. And, you know, it's, it, it's at the quality of a 60 minutes or a 2020 or a dateline. It is 2020. It is 2020. Yeah. <laughs> so I <laughs> discover that high production value, very expensive, unbelievable, incre- incredibly captivating podcast, highly recommended the dropout at the same time. I discover this. I'm originally from Canada. I discover this podcast called Canadian true crime. Do you guys know this one? <laughs> no. If you like true crime podcasts, it's fucking awesome. It's produced not by ABC News. It's produced by one gal. Her name's Christy Lee. And I don't know if she does it in her spare bedroom or her basement or where she does it, but it's her. She does the researching. She she writes the shows. She edits the shows. I think over time she's gotten some help. Now she has sponsors. She At one point, she became one of the top 10 podcasts in Canada. I don't know where she is now. 
And the level of production is essentially her talking with like some spooky piano music from time to time. And it's gotten a little more sophisticated over time, but her first couple episodes are essentially her with garage band and a little bit of spooky music. And I'm listening to the two things at the same time. There's a very big difference in your ear from a production value perspective, but here's where there's no difference. They're both fucking awesome. And there's on your show, Chris. There's yeah, maybe, maybe we will get her on the show. There's this gal, Christy Lee, who of course I don't know at all, who just is a has a passion for this, is a hobbyist. She has another job, and she becomes one of the top podcasts in Canada, and she's now viewed as a real leader in true crime podcasts. And her episodes are, I think, riveting. You know, some are better than others, like all of us, but in general, she does a legendary job. And so my point is the joy of podcasting for me is on one hand, ABC News can do something legendary that is fun and we can get behind and appreciate. And at the same time, some gal in her spare bedroom in Toronto can put together a legendary podcast that people love and becomes hugely successful. That, to me, is the beauty of this whole thing. Actually, that is a perfect message to wrap this up on. It and absolutely is. Everybody who's listening, I'm going to break the rules. I'm supposed to say you. I'm talking to one person. But I'm not. I'm talking to all of you, and I hope we can keep having this discussion. You can either do it in the group Unstructured on Facebook or wherever you see this posted. Comment. If you see a tweet with this and you listen to it, respond to the tweet. If it's in a podcast group and you see anything about it, please respond. I really want to have this discussion break out, and I want to get everybody talking. And Joe, Super Joe, don't want to downplay you. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And the legend himself, Christopher Lockhead. Thank you for coming on. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Super Joe. Thank you, Eric. I mean, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, please consider subscribing for free. And I mean for free. It is always free. There's no billing, anything else. You can subscribe in your player of choice, which is probably right in your hands. Or you can go to unstructuredpod.com, and there are plenty of links there. Thank you so much. And in the spirit of sharing, here's a couple more shows you may want to check out. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, the host of It's No Secret with Dr. T, which is a small business and marketing podcast. Each week, I interview business leaders who openly share the secrets to the massive success. It's No Secret with Dr. T will educate, entertain, and inspire you. Check it out. You'll find it wherever you listen to podcasts, or you can go to my website, TysonFranklin.com. I did not grow up with very much money. Money's energy. Money is something that really scares me. You had about 60 grand in debt. Money isn't the answer. Somebody should just give me a lot of money. My dream was to be the WWE wrestler, but you realize that your dreams change over the years. Money is a tool. It's a key to a gate. And at the other side of the gate is the things that you really want to do with your life. It's the things that matter most to you. It's pursuing those values that make you ultimately happy. Listen to Inspired Money at inspiredmoney.fm.